Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Positive Pessimist Podcast. It's Wrestling Wednesday. My guest today is Nathan Tomasello. Nathan Tomasello is a four-time Division I All-American. He's an NCAA champion, four-time Big Ten champion. He's on the national team. Total stud. Cannot wait to talk to him. Uh, let's bring him in. If you like the channel, make sure you subscribe to it. And God bless all of you. Here we go. Hey, man. How are you? I'm good. You in Oklahoma today? Yes. How are you liking it there? I love it. It's been a great transition the last week and a half. I've really enjoyed training under my former coach and working with uh, all the OU staff and starting to feel like home. Yeah, so you've only been down there for 10 days? Yeah. <clears throat> who all's down there? It's Hayswinkle, Lou Rizzelli, and who else do you got down there? Nick Heflin, Mike Leitner, and Hunter Stieber, all the coaches. Oh, wow. I didn't realize Hunter was down there. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, I yeah, always, I always, uh, I always kind of hurt for Hunter for the way his his career ended up. <clears throat> yeah, it sucks, man. Injuries are probably the toughest thing in the sport. To be honest, I dealt with a lot of them, and it's just tough to come back from. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you want to kind of end up end the when you want to end as opposed to injuries, but sometimes it's not in the plan. Yeah. How uh, how old were you when you started wrestling, Nate? 10 years old okay were you good i just turned 27 so 17 years now awesome were you good from the start i was very competitive and i think the coach saw potential in me i mean i made a dish tournament after a month of of wrestling okay in the state in ohio so i was i was pretty good uh i would say from the start i mean i was i was given some athleticism i think out of my brother and sister and I, I was the most athletic kid in our family, and uh, sports kind of came natural to me. And your brother is an athlete, too. Isn't he like a figure skater or something? He was, yeah. He did competitive figure skating up until <clears throat> college, and then once he got into college, he stopped, and uh, he was good. I mean, he made it kind of similar to the uh, international circuit with, with wrestling. You could have, like, different levels. He made it to the junior level, which is, like, the one right underneath senior level, so he went pretty far. Cool. Um, were you always like, uh, were you always like a strong kid, or is that something you just had to work on, or was that something that was given to you from birth? <laughs> Believe it or not, when I was younger, especially when I was looking at colleges, I wrestled at the junior <clears throat> junior philos at the time, uh, junior uh, back in either in Columbia or Cleveland at the time. And I wrestled one, one twelve, I believe. No, one ten. I think it was fifty kilos. And Lou Rizzelli at the time was scouting for Ohio State. And I remember telling my club coach that he said I was a good wrestler, but he didn't think I'd ever be big enough or strong enough for one twenty five. <laughs> and so at that point, just him saying that motivated me a ton that summer to get bigger and stronger. So in between my sophomore and junior year and junior and senior year of high school I lifted a crap ton and put on a lot of mass so before that I don't think I was I mean I was naturally pretty strong but I was skinny I was a pretty skinny small kid I mean I I had to be held back one year in middle school because I was too small for the weight classes in high school oh really yeah so did you always have like that crazy work ethic because it seems like that that's always been the uh story about you is that you have this crazy work (laughs) ethic Man, that's a good. That's a good. Good that people are saying that. Um, 
Man, it's been molded molded in my mind since I was a young kid. I think I've been blessed with having great mentors and coaches along my journey of wrestling, and every single one of them were lead by example. They would work extremely hard in their coaching, and they talk about bring, hard work brings much reward. And it's like I, I realized that that that's the biggest thing that separates a lot of people from average to a to extraordinary is just the amount of effort and intensity you put into your workouts. And that's what I took to heart. I wanted to be the hardest working kid in the world at my weight class. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what gave me the confidence when I stepped out the mat that I, I worked harder than anyone else. I, I earned what I'm getting, you know? Yeah. It seems like in wrestling, there's that kid that's really talented that doesn't work as hard as he should. Or there's that kid that's not that talented, but they work their butt off. And then every once in a while, you get that kid that's both, and that's when you get something special. Would you agree yeah, with that? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Lou Rizzelli talks about that, too. You know, it's like, obviously, I would say, you know, athleticism is kind of a <clears throat> spectrum of things. Like, you can be very, very athletic, but like you said, if, just, if the work ethic isn't there, the biggest thing I feel like it, where it shows is when you get into the, the later part of a match, like early on, athleticism can can take you pretty far but when you start getting fatigued a little bit and you mentally you have to stay tough and the guy's coming after you that's where you really kind of see where the work is put in or if it is not put in (laughs) you know yeah i think it it becomes uh more noticeable as you get higher in the levels if you get into college division one college you get to senior level you get to the world championships it's like that's where things are really shown yeah What's the difference even between like Division One going into the senior level? Man, I think the art of it. Man, I, I would say in college, I, I would still have the same uh, mental approach, and that I work harder than anyone. And then it, it kind of started switching the last couple of years to working smarter than anyone else. Uh, I knew when I needed to ramp up the intensity, and when I, need, I needed to shut it down a little bit and make sure I'm. Um, I'm keeping my body healthy because I've had a lot of injuries these previous couple of years. And so it's derailed a little bit of my senior level. And so I've been a lot smarter with my recovery, a lot smarter with my sleeping habits and just my workouts. And if I'm not feeling right that day, because I even, I mean, there's this thing called the aura ring that uh, Kyle Snyder started using. And then I picked his brain about that and it just tracks your sleep and how it gives you a recovery score from tracking your heart rate, heart rate variability, deep sleep, REM sleep, and stuff like that. And I go by that sometimes. So it keeps me uh, keeps me on track. It keeps me accountable. So it's like if I don't sleep that well and I'm feeling sore, I don't want to push things, you know, because obviously so you want to put your peak performance out at the right time. You don't want to come in to uh, a world team trials, Olympic team trials, or something like that, tired or fatigued and a little burned out. You want to be excited and healthy and energized. And so – that's how I approach my training too. It's like at this point, I just turned 27. I know I'm not the same Nathan Tomasello that I was when I was a junior or freshman or sophomore in college. So it's like, I think everyone knows that. It's like, I usually am very open and communicate with the coaches how I'm doing. And they they same thing. It's like, you have to communicate how you're feeling that day and, and what you want as far as technique goes and what kind of coaching you want. So I just think a lot of it is just, you become a professional at what you're doing. The little details are what makes the difference. As opposed to college, you kind of just 
do a lot of what the coaches says and what the team does. Yeah. Have you ever, I mean, I've, I've seen you wrestle a lot of times and I don't think I've ever seen you like hit a wall. Um, I'm sure you probably have. Can you think of a a time that you hit a wall like during a match or has that ever happened to you? So one of the years I I wrestled one one twenty five my freshman and sophomore year, the one, the one match I wrestled, so I wrestled Sunday and I think it was against Illinois. And then we had Michigan the following Friday at, at Ohio state. And I remember um, that Sunday, it was, a, it was like a noon dual meet, and then we had to drive back. I think it was at Illinois. I'm not positive, but we had to drive back, and I was cutting hard weight the second year in May 25. And I was yo-yoing a bit early on in the season. I was ranked number one in the country at that time. And I remember uh, the Monday afternoon that we had, because it was kind of on our own, I stepped on the scale, and I was 10 and a half over. Ugh. And I was just like, holy crap, I have to make weight Friday. <laughs> That's four days. And then I remember that match I was wrestling Connor Utsi, and it was like the middle of the second period, and he was keeping it tight. He was get, pulling me into a front headlock and making like my back fatigue, my neck fatigued a little bit. And I remember the weight cut started feeling in my legs. And at that point, it was just like, it was still like a, a zero zero match or one nothing match. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> and then you're like, all right, now we're in survival mode as opposed to like, I'm trying to kill this guy. I'm trying to just survive and get something. And I remember scoring a takedown and then trying to just keep him from not scoring on me. He only scored on me once or twice in the third. And I, went, and I won three to two. But it's just like one of those like ugly matches that you won that you just pulled out. You're like, I'm never going to get, never again going to have my weight that heavy, that close. Yeah. Before that's one of the matches that that comes back to me so then <laughs> Plus, the, the crazy thing is in the old facility the old place we sit we competed at st john they didn't have any ac and the heating unit sucked so it's literally they had this dry air in it and so you literally would like dry heat if when your lungs got tired so i remember that feeling as well where it was like your lungs were burning at that at that point which that's the worst feeling too yeah. like you're dry heating <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you never got to wrestle in that facility, did you? I never wrestled a new one, no. Okay. He just built it after I graduated, so I was kind of jealous a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, um, so how hard was it to make it your senior year? Because your junior year, you went, you bumped up to 33, and then you came back down to 25. Was that really hard, or were you just disciplined about it? Man, it was a little bit of both, to be honest. So I remember getting approached by Tom, Ryan, and Terrell, a couple of days after the national tournament and they were asking what my thoughts were about the following year. And I knew at that point with our team and because Luke was a freshman at the time and he had, he bumped up to 41 when I went to 33. Cause I think he was expecting to go 33, but I just, I just told him at the beginning of the season, I'm like, look, man, I'm, I'm seriously considering going 133 with how tough it was when she saw one year. And so I made that decision and then he actually was registering and then um, Keyshawn got injured. He was at 41 at the time. That's right. And so he stepped up as a true freshman 41-pounder. And then after the season, it was like, in order to feel like our team had a shot to win it again, it seemed like the, the best move for, for the team and for myself was to go back down. And so that's what I ended up doing after that. And from that point on, that summer I was wrestling and I made my first U.S. national team in 2017 at 57 kilos. So I made the team, 
started wrestling some senior level tournaments overseas that summer. And so that was kind of the plan going forward. But then the unexpected part was I was trying to make the U23 world team and they were in Rochester. The trials were in Rochester, Minnesota in October. And I remember wrestling Dane Fix in the finals of those trials. And the first match we wrestled best out of three, or the second match, the second match that happened, we had tight, we had a really tight first one. I kind of got screwed in the first match. And then the second match, we had a super tight one again. And with about a minute left, I went to finish one of my high crotches. And as I came down, I, and he planted in a, in a quad pod and I stepped on his foot as I was planting and twisted. And I tore my ACL in the match. Oh, wow. And I rested through the last minute of it, lost the match, and then immediately my knee swelled up. And then I didn't know what to expect. I get back, and then the doctor's like, yeah, you tore your ACL. And I was like, holy shit. Like, now it's like, what do I do? Yeah. So, and then it's like, they told me I either could rehab it and see how it go or try to get a medical register, but they at least at the time, it said it was not a good probability. And so I decided to rehab as much as I could, and I came back at the beginning of January. And so I cut the season in half, which kind of helped, and I have to make the weight as much as opposed to starting in November. Yeah. But even that, it was one of the toughest weight cuts because I couldn't do some stuff my knee. Yeah. Like you lose the most weight when you're wrestling hard, and I couldn't wrestle that hard that year. Same thing when when you run, you lose a lot of weight when you run. I couldn't run, so it's just like I had to make a lot of adjustments that senior year. Yeah, I bet. Uh, going back to your high school career, um, I, I noticed I was watching some stuff last night. I watched your state finals match, your fourth, and uh, I noticed that it said something like you won like 160 matches in a row. So you, yeah. so you started out your freshman year. I don't know what your record was, but like 17, 18, and 5 or something. So you had lost five of your first 23 matches, which is still a great record for a freshman especially, but then to rattle off 160 straight, did something click for you like at a certain point in your freshman year? Man, this first couple of losses I had were against some of the top guys in the country in, okay. high, in high school, which was, which was kind of cool. You know, It wasn't like I was losing the slouches. Like I lost at the, the Ironman. I took fourth. I lost to two of the one of the top guys from Blair at the time. I lost him twice in that tournament in the quarterfinals at the third and fourth. And I lost to Dean Howe twice from St. Edwards at the time. I wrestled him in the dual meet at the beginning of the year. And then at the MIT finals, which those were the two losses. And then I lost to Ryan Taylor from St. Pierce Graham, who also is a three-time state champ from there the powerhouse and that. So it's like, at that point I was like, man, like, it's like, I'm really close to being one of the top guys in the country. And I just been taking some, and all those matches were tight too. It's not like I lost by like tech falls and major decisions. It was like five, four, three point matches. So I'm like, I know I'm good enough. And then it's like, I won the top gun, which is at the time is considered one of the bigger tournaments. And then it was just like, after that point, I just started, it kind of was like the same thing my freshman year. Not a, it was not the same, but it was just like I lost four matches my freshman year in college. And then, like, I started getting on a roll in the Big Ten Conference dual meets. And then I won, like, 18 straight before I won the national championship in uh, my freshman year. And it was just like, I just think it's a snowball effect, man. You have one or two big wins, and then you start feeling <laughs> figuring out your system, 
and you, the rhythm and timing comes uh, around and you have confidence, you have confidence in yourself. And then I think that's what people sometimes don't understand when they just look at wrestling, they look at wrestling and they're like, man, like this guy's talented. Why isn't he winning everything? But it's like it's a lot of it. People don't realize is like the mental part of it, yeah. you know? And <laughs> I think some of it is the experience that you get and, and having a couple good wins and then just getting bowling ball going. Like, I mean, I was coaching at Duke last year and our, our freshman, the 125 pounder, his name's Logan Egan. He's a state, state finalist from Ohio. And I saw a lot of potential in early on. And I and he only had five dual meet matches in the season. And he wrestled the ACCs and he gave that Jacob Camacho from NC State a pretty tight match. And I just told him, like, look, man, like, you are good enough to, to be an All-American. This should show you that you are. But it's like, you only had five matches. So it's just tough to assess that. Yeah. Like, I just feel like the more matches you have, the better assessment that you get from yourself. And then you have more confidence. You start winning more matches. You start getting more feels from different guys. Cause everyone presents a different challenge when you wrestle them, you know? And so that's kind of how I felt after my freshman year of high school. And then it's like, I won the Ironman the next year. And then I won, uh, the holiday tournaments. I won Fargo. So I just started like really reeling off some, big time things. And I was like, man, like, I feel like this is where, this is what I want to do the next 10, 10 years at least, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Wrestling is so mental. I remember there'd be guys on my college team that I would wrestle sometimes and I would just be thinking like, this guy's not even starting and I don't know how he ever loses. You know, they would be so good in the room. And then when they get out in front of people, it was, it was weird. They weren't the same guy. Um, did you always have that mental toughness since you were a kid? Again, I think it was like the people that came into my life. Obviously, I was very competitive. So anytime <clears throat> I, I, I performed at an event, whether it was wrestling or another sport, I gave my all out best, you know, and I felt like that in itself was big for me. And then just like Eric Burnett was my club coach. I mean, he's a very, very well-known man in Northeast Ohio. He's helped Elyria become a powerhouse and he's helped Logan Stever and Lance Palmer and all the other big time guys from Ohio, he worked with them. He wrestled with them. It's like, he's, he's helped me a lot on that mental part a little bit. And then it was, uh, man, I think just think, like I said, it was just, I mean, I still talk to my youth coach. Like okay. my youth coach has helped me. Like he's like a father figure to me. So it's just like, man, like every time I step out now, I'm like, it's just a blessing. That's how I view it. It's like a blessing. I can compete. I'm 27. I'm still doing the sport I love. So that's how I view it. It's like I'm playing with house money. Man, if I, I I make the world team, I win a world championship, that's amazing. But it's like, I'm playing with house money now. That's how I feel. Yeah. You know? That's awesome. Um, did you ever consider going anywhere besides Ohio State? I did. I looked seriously at Minnesota at the time. Um, they had J-Rob as the head coach. I like Becker and Egum as well. Those are the two assistants. And they were a powerhouse. They took second behind Iowa the one year. And... They were, they were really good. They had good, good quality guys. They had a good tradition. And their guys were were hard, hard-nosed wrestlers, but they were good guys off the mat. And that's what I was looking at in programs. Like, obviously, if you want tough, hard guys, but you don't want to have eight holes that are <laughs> off the mat that you can't connect with. Because it's like some of my best friends are in the sport, you know, because it's like – 
you respect each other and that's what it should be. It's like, you know how tough the sport is. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what made you decide to go ahead and go to Ohio state then? The people, I would say the people were the big thing. I mean, I had a couple guys from Ohio that already were there, Nick Tavanello and Johnny DeJulius and Logan Sieber. So I knew those guys, Nick Heflin a little bit too. And, uh, they had a great RTC. I mean, that Angel Escobedo, Reese Humphrey, Keith Gavin, Terrell DeLogna, J.D. Bergman, Mike Pasillo. So they had an amazing RTC, which I thought I'd stay with afterwards. And then Lou Rizzelli, who was an amazing lightweight coach. Yeah. And I just felt like everything was in place for me to be successful there. And it was two hours from home. Yeah. So that was nice. Um, on a side note real quick, how, how freaking strong is Logan Stieber? So the crazy thing is he doesn't look that strong physically, right? He doesn't look ripped up, big, strong dude. But the crazy part is I just think he's so dense. Like his back is <laughs> dense and muscle. So like yeah. when he shoots, like you just get a fingertip on your leg and he pulls, sucks it in. I'm just like, man, you know, like <laughs> it just, that's the incredible part. Like he's just, it's similar to Spencer Lee, I feel like. Like he doesn't look very big and strong. Yeah, but he is man. He's just got this really good grip, like glue, and he's got some heavy clubs. And I'm just like, sometimes it's like, it's weird because usually you, you look at someone, you can kind of tell if the guy's gonna be really strong just on how muscular he is, yeah. you know. Yeah. So fortunately, I've been given some good genetics in that sense, and I lifted a lot. So I always pride myself as being one of the strongest guys in my weight. And I, when I t- every time I wrestled, I wanted enforce my will on guys with that yeah yeah every time i've watched you wrestle I, i've always thought to myself i would hate to wrestle that dude because <laughs> you just always you're just always coming at the person that you're wrestling and uh there's there's nothing worse than than being in a match with somebody who can one kick your butt but two just never stops wrestling and uh that's who you always reminded me of um I love Tom Ryan. He's one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, I just read his book, Chosen Suffering. I read it a couple months ago, actually. But what kind of uh, what kind of coach is he? Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a coach that is very, I would say, inspiring. I think he does a really good job with uh, just leadership and how he talks to the team and how. He tries to get to know each kid, you know, and I think that's the cool part is like he's a CEO for that organization. You know, he's very good with connecting with the donors and making sure that they feel welcome. And um, I think he does a good job with trying to find the right student athletes to represent the the program when I when I was there. I mean, he got Bo Jordan and Kyle Snyder to commit before I did. So I saw the handwriting on the wall. I think he does a good job with that, you know, and he brings in guest speakers, which I liked as well. He'd sometimes bring in guest speakers to talk to the team before practice. Like, I thought that was really cool, too, because it's like you see people from different parts of the world, different walks of life, and they can share about their experiences. And if you can get anything out of it, it's good. And then he brought in a guy to just talk to the team once every month about leadership. So it's like things off the mat, you know, besides wrestling, I think he did a good job of yeah, um, your freshman year you were an NCAA champion, um, but you you had a redshirt year that you went undefeated. Was there any kind of uh, learning curve, or did you come in and able to compete right away? 
so to, Nick Roberts was uh, going to be the starter at the time when I redshirted, and we actually wrestled off, and I beat him. And at okay. the time, I wanted to start. I was like, Tom, I want to wrestle this year. But I think it was a patience thing because obviously 25 was loaded that year, and he told me, it's like, look, if you redshirt, Kyle's going to be coming in. Bo was going to redshirt as well. Hunter Stevers redshirting. We're going to have an amazing team, and you'll have a year of experience at high Division One tournaments before you actually compete. And yeah. so I ended up going to, like, the Michigan State Open and other big ones like the Edinburgh Open. So I had quality competition. Plus, I wrestled and tried to make – make the junior team that summer. So it kind of worked out good that a couple of people were redshirting too. So it wasn't just like me doing that. But like I said, I just think it was, it's a learning thing. You're either, for me, I tell the athletes at Duke, I tell the athletes at OU, you're either winning or you're learning. You know, there's nothing, nothing besides that. Like, obviously you want to win everything, but when you, people lose, no one, I would say no one goes undefeated in this sport. You're already, Something's gonna happen. It's just so it's so tough to do that, and so um, you're always learning from mistakes and making corrections, and it's an art. And that's why I feel like I've stayed in it for so long. It's like you're always learning. Yeah, and I tra- translate that to life. You're always learning. The moment you stop learning, that is the moment you stop growing. Yeah. What kind of uh, what kind of a teammate was Kyle Snyder? This guy that led by his actions and led by his words. I mean, he did a good job of both. I would say when I was younger, I was not the most uh, verbal guy. I, I I didn't. I was very shy and introverted. So I've grown a lot in that aspect over the years. But he was a guy that would call people out and not be afraid of that. Even as a freshman, he would call like seniors out, and that was pretty pretty incredible to see. It's like you're a freshman and you're calling out seniors that have been in the program for four or five years. <laughs> You yeah. know, and then he just, I mean, he trained like a, like an animal as a heavyweight guy. You don't see that very often. Yeah. So it's pretty inspiring. Plus he lived a very disciplined life and I lived with him for four years. Oh, he did? Yeah. Okay. So I was like seeing what he did on and off the mat, you know, like he, he ate healthy. He went to bed around nine, ten o'clock every night. He didn't drink. Um, he didn't go out. It's like he did what you needed to, you know? Yeah. I remember Coach Ryan, we, we had lunch at the Olympic trials in 2016, and he said uh, he said trying to get him practice partners was like feeding an orca whale. <laughs> yeah. You know, because yeah. he, he just, he would he would beat, he, you know, because he would figure these guys out, and, and he could just, you know, after he figured you out, he could just beat the crap out of you, so they had to just trying to get fresh practice partners for him all the time was just like trying to have an orca, wet, orca whale fed. I thought that was really funny. Um, it's true. I mean, it's like, talk about competitive. I mean, it's like the guys at the top, they're very talented, but they're also very competitive, you know, and that's where that's how you get there. It's like he didn't want to lose ever. And anytime yeah. he did, he'd make corrections. Yeah. Immediately, he would ask the coach, like, what can I get better at? What can I work on? He would self-assess a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you you had a <clears throat> you had a great freshman year. I mean, not only did you win the NCAA tournament, but it was it was fun to watch your like progression throughout that year. You know, like you took a couple of losses, but I think you beat. I want to say you beat everyone that beat you uh, before I NCAAs. Did. Yeah, um, that was the part. You know, like my buddy texted me two stats that stand, stood out that I looked back at and I'm very uh, thankful for and 
grateful for is one, the last day that Saturday, I, I guess I was the only wrestler that had that has gone seven and zero. I won the national championship and came back and took third every single year after that. So I was the only one that ever do that in the history. So my buddy texted me that, and then the second one was any match, any person I lost to in college, I wrestled again and I beat them, which yeah. that was pretty pretty cool. Like no one can say they they uh, beat me and I never got a chance to beat them. You know, so it's like, I felt like every time I wrestled someone and got my hands on someone, it helped me more than that. Yeah. I did. I feel like I do a good job of assessing guys and knowing the little details of how to beat them. And it's like, if I've wrestled you once, I feel like I'd rather wrestle you again because I feel like I'll do better if we wrestle a second time. Yeah. And I remember, I think you lost to, uh, I think it was Dylan Peters at like Vegas or something. Is that right? Yeah, he called me a cow catcher. I was winning the match 5 nothing, and I got a little crazy, and he caught me with a knee pick, knee pick to a cow catcher. That was freaking tough. Yeah, I, I remember that, but I also remember thinking he's never going to lose to him again. Like, that's not going to happen again. That's what I remember thinking anyway. Yeah, I liked, I liked when I wrestled him my sophomore year at Nationals. I wanted to take it to him bad, and I kind of did. I won by a major decision. So, yeah. Um, What do you remember most about your national title? I I, I personally remember that semis with Alan Waters. That was a great freaking match. That was pretty incredible, man. It's like, obviously, I got beat by him early in the year, and he's the one guy I never lost the match that year, expected to win it. He beat everyone at the time, and it was just like, that was the match where I felt like, it was something that I felt like was fate, you know, like not where like, I just felt confident. Like I knew I could beat him when I, when I, we had a good game plan with talking with Lou before the match. And I just felt like I was in my rhythm. I was in the zone. I was in flow right at that point. I was like, look, let's, let's see if we can beat him on our feet. That was the goal. It's like, he knew he was a very solid top wrestler, but I was like, look, I'm the best wrestler on my feet, and I'm going to prove that. And so it took me a bit to get past his defense, but then it's like the last period I got two takedowns, and of course it came at dramatic fast in the second one where I scored with like two seconds less, so that was pretty amazing. But I think the best part was the euphoric feeling after afterwards being at the hotel with all the, my family and support system there when we're winning the national championship, holding the national show tr- trophy with it as with the team, making speeches and thanking all the people and thanking my loved ones for going there. It just brought me so much closer to my family, I felt like, and just the love that I felt, you know. It's just like at that point, you're doing it so much for people around you and for God that it's just it's like it keeps you focused and motivated like this sport, this sport is tough to do on your own. So it's like when you knew that so many people were there helping you along your journey, it's just that moment I can remember like it's yesterday. It's six years later, you know? It's like one of the greatest moments of my life so far. Yeah. That was your freshman year was the year you guys won the team title? Yes. Okay. And then you guys got what, second the rest of the time you were there? Uh, second, third, and second. Okay. Yeah, that year, that... Uh... The year that you guys lost when uh, Miles lost to uh, Bo in the finals, that was like the best team that didn't win an NCAA title. Um, is that the year also that you guys had that great duel against Penn State? 
your sen- yes. senior year. I think I think you guys did you lose that duel? Yes. Yeah, but I know you lost the duel, but for my money, it was the best wrestling duel I've ever seen in my life. I mean, from top to bottom, it was just a great freaking duel. And I was kind of surprised that the the team lost that year, but it was a great freaking duel. And the NCAA tournament was probably the best team title I've ever seen, too. And uh, I jumped out of my seat, dude, when, when Miles uh, took... I think he took Bo to his back, right? And then he got rolled through and, and pinned, but... Um, yeah, I, I thought that was the end of it. I thought right there that that you guys are going to win that. But so I know I know it sucks that you guys ultimately lost, but it was uh, it was it was the best in terms of team title that I've ever that I've ever got to witness. Um, and then your sophomore year, I remember being pissed off for you when they called you pinned against uh, Gilman. How mad were you when they called you pinned in that match? So the thing that I look back and regret in that match was. I got on my best shot, best attack, my high crotch with about 30 seconds left in the third period, and I didn't score it. I was close to scoring two or three times in that exchange, and it's like I, I tried to shelf it. I tried to dump them back. I tried to power bomb them, lift them, and he just did a good job with his defensive progression. And then I was right as I was getting him on his, his <clears throat> one butt and lifting that leg up, and getting him falling backwards to score, time ran out. And I just remember that being the toughest part mentally to get past. It's like you you see getting to the finals literally within your grasp. I was within my grasp of making the cha- national championship finals again. Yeah. And I literally had a second more and I would have probably got there. And then it's like you're trying to reset your mind to get ready for the overtime period as the returning national champ. And I remember just having a tough time. It's like one of those, it's so much mental. It's like having short-term memory. And I tell that to my Duke wrestlers when I was there. It's like you can't control sometimes what happens in a match, but you got to have such short-term memory in the match and then right after the match. Even if you lose, coming back the next match and wrestling your, your, a better match. And it's the same thing in the match. You give up a takedown that you don't expect. You give up a weird scramble and you get caught on your back or something. It's a short-term memory. You forget about it. You move to the next progression. And that's what I learned in that match. Is like I had a tough time getting over that because I could see it in my mind that I was I had the, the match-winning takedown. And I just let it – I didn't finish quick enough. Yeah. And then, like – I remember being exhausted because I was squeezing for 30 seconds trying to finish that high crotch. And I just remember, like, I wasn't in attack mode after that. Yeah. The last period of the overtime, I just was just trying to hold on. And so you can't do that in this sport. You always got to be attacking. Yeah. Yeah, and, the, the, you know, they, they called that pin, and I was like, dude, that was the weakest pin I've ever seen. I was in- doing a scramble maneuver. And yeah. they just, I mean, it's like, I just felt like it was just dumb. Like, the, the referee... Especially at that time, the scrambling rules were a lot different. Like, you can be on your back for a bit, and if they don't have control, they weren't going to call it. So it's like, just let him, let him wrestle through that progression. Yeah. It was like my junior year when I wrestled Zane Richards in the quarters. Like, he was a scramble machine, and like three or four shots I got in, he scrambled, scrambled, scrambled. He was on his back at one point for five, ten seconds, and they didn't call anything. And I remember that match being a three-to-one match, and I was just like, holy crap, like... I must have had seven attacks on him and scored once. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's just like, let the wrestling progress. I just feel like referees sometimes 
interfere too much with, with matches. And it's yeah. just like, let the better wrestler win. Don't interfere with the wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, I personally don't like the whole no reaction time thing on, uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but some of the some of the calls I see, I'm like, that was not a takedown, you know, like in my eyes, because I wrestled, you know, in the 90s, so <laughs> it was a lot different back then, you know, like you weren't taken down until you were taken down, and, and they've changed that a little bit, and some people like it and some people don't, but sometimes I'm like, that was a pretty weak takedown you just gave that guy, but... Um, I agree. Um, I so then your soft that would you would have had Mega Lutus in the finals, right? Yes. And you ne- never I lost him twice that year, and I've never lost him. Yeah. The rest the conference dual meet, and then I wrestled him at the conference finals. I beat him there twice, and then we wrestled again at the Olympic trials, and I beat him there. So I was just like, it was tough to watch in the stands have him win that national championship because I'm like, look, I beat you three times. You know, and you you win the national championship, but sometimes that's how things go, and it's just tough. Because I like, I lo- honestly, I think Nico's a good dude. You know, I follow him on social media. He's he's another Christian believer, and he stands what what's right in the sport. And he's a hardworking dude. So I guess of anybody, I was glad he won it. You know. Yeah, going back to Mega Lutus, um, I always wondered this because I I was at the Olympic trials and I watched that match. And you guys were taking each other down, and I remember thinking, like, what's the difference between, you know, in Division One? I, I remember you guys wrestled all the time, and takedowns were very hard to come by, but, you know, when you guys were wrestling. And then when you're wrestling freestyle, why why is it that takedowns are seem to come so much easier in freestyle? I don't know if I asked that very well, but... Yeah, I just think there's... The way the rules are set up, they just they want more scoring to happen. Like anytime you roll across your back, something happens. Every time uh, you get a push out, you get a point. Um, and just I just feel like there's a lot less restrictions in freestyle for scoring points. If that makes sense, yeah. So I think that's why it's easier to get more takedowns or more go behinds or more feet to back stuff because it's like they don't have much restrictions with it it's like you push someone out you get a point so usually it's like you do have a little bit more points scored in freestyle matches than you do folk style yeah do you prefer one style over the other well now that i've been doing it full time i I like freestyle a lot but i do like so when i coached at duke I, i liked showing some top and bottom progressions I was. I really felt like I got my bottom very, very good, and I feel like at, even at this point, my bottom it'd be tough for people to hold me down, even at the college level with my bottom, because it's like I worked on it so much with Lou Roselli that I just feel like the way I feel, guys, I get to my short sit. It's like guys can't hold me down usually, and yeah. so honestly, it's it's tough to say. I, I probably would say right now freestyle, just because I'm doing it. That's what I'm competing at, but. I like folk style a lot. I was successful in that too. So it's like, it's they both have their. I would say their positives and some of the be- some of the negatives for both. Yeah, um, I totally forgot what I was going to ask you. Um, dang it! <laughs> um, oh, I wanted to ask you this. Um, you mentioned that you you got third three years in a row, and can you point to one of those as being the most difficult? As far as the loss? 
Uh, junior year. Okay. Junior year is the best guy. I was undefeated. I just came back from a shoulder injury, and at 33 at that year was the toughest weight. Yeah. I mean, it's like everybody's at that weight. I was ranked number one. I went up a weight class, and I was freaking powerful. It was like I wrestled everybody in the dual meets, won all that. I won the Big Tens for the third year in a row. I won in dramatic fashion against Clark, and it was just like when they put me on the same side as Clark, I was like, really, guys? Like, we've wrestled – twice already i think and i was just like i just felt like sometimes like you need to have a bit of luck like seeds do matter a little bit obviously you got to beat whatever whoever but it does help if you got a decent seed a decent draw and it's like clark and i wrestled in the in the semis and i was winning that match i got the first takedown i was winning that match and then i remember shooting a high crotch and i tried to cut across the high crotch and at the time, like I said, I had come back from a major shoulder injury, and I just didn't have the mobility in my shoulder to reach around and catch that far leg. Yeah. And I remember we get into a crackdown position, and somehow we rolled across, and next thing you know, I got into a Merkel position, and he scored from the Merkel. And then that tied it up, and, it, and then I was able to escape. And then there was like 45 seconds left, and I remember shooting again, and we got almost in the same position. And next thing you know, we roll across, roll across, and we get in the same exact Merkel position with, like, 15 seconds left. And he rips my head off, and I lose the leg. And then I'm, like, I'm losing by a point with 10 seconds left, and I remember hitting me. I'm, like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose. And then he rode me out the last, like, 10 seconds to win by a point. And I was just, like, what happened? Yeah. Yeah. I'm winning the match. I was the number one guy in the country, and I lost. Yeah, and I just remember going to the stands, just emotional. I was like, "Mom, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know what happened." Yeah, and yeah. that was the, that was the match that hurt me the most because it was like I just was came back from, like I said, from taking third to the year before, and I was number one in the country. I earned that spot early on. I beat everybody, and it's just like I lose a a heartbreaker to some. They call it flow. Actually, called it the magic Merkel. Oh, yeah? On their news thing, the next day, Corey Clark with the Magic Merkle. Yeah. And I just, like, coming back for that, Conti Semis was the toughest toughest one, I would say. I wrestled Montoya from Nebraska in the Conti Semis. I remember, like, the first period, <clears throat> the second period, it was just like, I couldn't get to my offense with him. You had wrestled earlier in the in the year against him, and Hit, and that was a tight one, too. So then I was just like, oh, crap. So then we get in this crazy scramble third period for like a minute. And fortunately, I landed on top and ended up winning by like three to one. But it's just like that match. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> up to get back up for it. And then I wrestled yeah. uh, Michich for third and fourth. Yeah. And I wrestled a lot better for third and fourth. Because then at that point, it's just like a pride thing. I was like, look, I'm taking third again. Yeah. Yeah, um, <clears throat> that was a great match with Clark, and it, it is, it's hard to beat somebody, you know, that good three times in a row, too, you know, um, it, it's just, it, it's like, a, I don't know, kind of a mental thing, um, who would you say, and, you know, you wrestled a lot of studs in college, who would you say was your toughest competition? Man, my matchups with Gilman were always tough, because he's a strong wrestler, and he's longer than me, so anytime you get in hand fights, he worked with Tom and Terry Brand, so it would be tough to get past it, head his hands. Anytime we get in 
to tie ups, he squeezed me tight and I just couldn't like loosen up his grip sometimes to get like my elbow passes or my posts or my like inside tie to pulls. And so I remember wrestling a couple times and it was just tough to get my my offense going with him. He was very good with his defense, head and hands progression. So I remember him being a very tough opponent. And then obviously Spencer Lee my senior year. We wrestled three times with Spencer with Spencer that year, and I went one and two against him in that year. And I just remember him being a tough opponent because he was so good on top. Yeah. So then I just like, man, I couldn't take bottom with him after the first time we wrestled. I just felt like he was the only the one one of the only guys where I just felt like I wasn't confident enough to get out from him on bottom, or at least expend so much energy trying to get on bottom that wasn't worth it. Yeah. What what is it about him that's so tough on top? What what is it is his grip strength or what's what's the deal with him? He's so so good at just his feel on top. He's so good at staying in the pocket and putting the right amount of pressure on your back where he doesn't feel like he's working that much, but he is and it just it fatigues you. It's tough. It's tough to say. It's like Logan was the same way. I just felt like he just had such a good feel on top. That's like, he just knew every progression. He knew exactly what you're going to do to get out from bottom. And then anything he would have a counter to, and then he gets his arm bar series. Yeah. And that and same thing with Spencer. He gets his, his, his tilt series or arm bar and a half. And it's just like, he was over, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, when are, for two questions. When are the world team trials, and what's it going to take for you to make that world team? So the trials are this September, like the first week of September, like the 3rd or 5th or something like that. Okay. So that's like four months away. So I'm going to Poland next month with Team USA. So that would be a very, very good test because it's like Russia sending their number one guys. I think there are a couple other countries are. I mean, it's a ranking tournament. So I'm literally going to have some of the top guys in the world at my weight. And so it'll be a lot of fun to see where I'm at in that sense and then make a lot of adjustments two months after that for the world team trials. And then again, it's like I'm trying to figure out. I'm still not quite sure because it's like if Gilman medals at the Olympics, he'll automatically have the spot at the world team trials. It it won't even be contested. That's right now the rules. So it's like then I would have to go up to 61, and I haven't competed at 61. So it's like I'm still trying to figure that out and talking to Lou about it. So I'm hanging around mid-130s right now. And so I think for me, the biggest thing is just getting to my offense and being relentless, you know, knowing the progressions to get to my offense. And then when I get on top turning, guys, I've got a good gut wrench. We've been working on some different things, chain chain wrestling on top. So it's like I know some of these top guys on my feet might be tight with, but when I get on top, it should be at least one or two turns. And then when I'm up by four, or six points, no one's coming back on me. Yeah. Okay, well, cool. Uh, so, Gilman, if he medals, already makes the world team? Is that what you said? Yes. That's oh, wow. it. That's exactly what they have on the rules right now. And I'm just like, really? That You can't even contest it if he medals? I mean, I'm just like, if he decides to go. Obviously, it's only like a month or two afterwards. So, it's like, that'd be a quick transition back to the world, tri- world championships. But still, I'm just like... It just it seems kind of unfair a little bit. I'm like, yeah. obviously, you know, like maybe have him abide, abide to the finals. But I, at least that's what I read. It's like if he make if he medals because it's such a short turnaround, they're not even con- going to contest that weight. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, you, you know, world team trials are so, world team spots are so hard to come by, you'd think he would just go ahead and wrestle at the world, you know, if you've got the spot, you don't even have to, you know, beat all these American studs to make it, you'd think he would probably just take it, so I hope, for, I hope for your guys' case that's not the deal, but, um, so anyway, we'll see, I guess. Um, yeah, we'll see. Like, I'm not opposed to go 61. Obviously, I feel like I'd be strong enough for that weight. And I don't know who's going to go there, too. Because it's like, obviously, I would say maybe Gross or a Cologne who will wrestle with Nation. But it's like, I feel like I could wrestle with those guys any day either, too. So it's like, that's why I'm like, I'm just kind of going to see how things go this summer. Yeah. You're also uh, a boxer. So that combined with your wrestling skills, would you ever consider MMA or any of that stuff? I know a lot of people ask me that. To be honest, probably not at this point in my career and my life. I just feel like I love wrestling so much and I love coaching it. Like I think when I went to Duke, I just fell back in love with competing because I was coaching. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, I told Lou that I'm like, look, I don't know how many more years I'm going to compete, but it's like, obviously if it's a year, if it's three years, it's like I would love to have a spot in your line, in your coaching lineup if there's a chance after that, you know? Because it's like I think that's the thing I would love to do after I'm done competing in wrestling because it's like I was, as much as I, I, was, I think I do well in MMA, I just I don't want to get injured anymore because I've had a lot of surgeries already. Plus, I just don't want to have any brain issues. Yeah. You know, like I've had minimal amount of concussions and it's like – I want to be able to play with my kids and enjoy a family when I'm older. And I just I see some of these MMA guys and how beat up they get. And I'm just like, I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah. <clears throat> how long do you hope to compete? I mean, if my body lasts and my mind's excited to compete, another another cycle. Because it's a short cycle. It's until 2024. Okay. So it's only three years as opposed to four. But obviously, a lot of things happen in three years. So... Right now, I'm taking it year to year. Yeah. Um, you have a really strong faith. Where does that, uh, how important is that in your life, and where does that come from? Man, I feel like God's placed some great people in my life early early when I was young. Um, I've had a Bible mentor ever since I was a sophomore in high school, and my high school head coach is another another guy that's been like a father figure to me. I talk to him once a week on the phone, share scripture with me a lot. Same thing with my Bible mentor, who was one of who was my boxing coach at the time. So it's like that those people keep me accountable. And uh I just felt like going to CBCA in general was the start of my walk with Christ. And it was a thing that gives me a lot of I would say man fire behind competing again because it's like anytime I get a chance to compete and 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 fight hard and then talk about Christ afterwards it just gives me a platform you know and that's that's the biggest thing and it's just like and then it's just like the amount of Christian people I've met through this journey not only in the sport but just out of it it's just been amazing it's like I've been placed in so many great people and I just, I'm just like thankful, you know? And I think that's the biggest reason where, where I feel like my faith's been the number one. It's just like, at the end of the day, the sport's going to end, but it's just like, 
what you have to lean back on is family, friends, and God, and yeah. ha- and ha- trusting that He has the best plan for you in your life. And so, I've been very blessed in that sense to have great people, great mentors, and uh, it being very important because, like I said, it's like we're talking about eternity, and that's so so big. I just feel like I just I don't understand when people just don't think about it or like aren't I guess just up to really man you know like contemplate why we're here you know like I I had that when I was younger and I'm just like look at a certain point you got to think about it you know like whether you're in your 20s or in your 80s it's like man you you don't know how much life you have down down on the earth it's like that's why I'm like I just think it's so important for me to share because like people look up to me as an amazing wrestler, but obviously I want people to look at up to me as a, a man of faith. And, and that's the biggest thing that I'm hoping to do in my journey of wrestling. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about that stuff lately too. Um, my, my little brother passed away recently and, and, uh, so, you know, I've always prayed and, and all that kind of thing, but lately I've really been thinking about what happens when we die and, and all that kind of thing. Uh, have you ever listened to something called Lion of Judah? Uh, I have not. Okay. Well, it's on uh, it's on YouTube, and if you go to Line of Judah Motivation, they have these great. You know, I work out to it a lot, and it'll be like the some of the some of the preachers and that kind of stuff. They'll do like little short things, and it'll get you fired up, man. Um, when you're working out, Line of Judah. Yeah. Line of Judah. Yeah. Podcast. Uh, it's it's uh it's not a podcast. It's more uh there's all kinds of stuff um that that'll come up. But if you put in the line, what's that? Is it on YouTube or? Uh, that's where I find it. Yeah, I don't okay. know if you, you can find it anywhere else, but that's where I found it. Um, I know you've got to go, so I'll let you get out of here. But I want to ask you a couple more questions. Um, are you? Is your brother's your twin, right? Yes, we're twin, fraternal twin brother. Oh, fraternal brother. twins. Okay. Yeah. Are you are you the same size and all that? Believe it or not, we're not. Okay. <laughs> he's five inches taller than me, and okay. he's kind of short. He's not not short. I'm shorter than him. I'm five three. He's five eight, and he's got he's more. Uh, I would say uh, I'm short and stocky. He's more tall and like uh, thinner. If like he doesn't have a he doesn't have a lot of muscle like okay. I do. Okay. So, and our facial features are a little bit off, different too. I've got a more oval. He, face he's got a more round face okay so yeah we're different in a lot of ways he I, actually graduating from law school this coming weekend so i'm back going back up to celebrate with him awesome so yeah, yeah. I, I, I sorry about that i remember uh you're i think it was your freshman year you're doing some interview and they're like how are you guys different or whatever and you're like he likes talking to people <laughs> It made me yeah. laugh, dude. It was it was funny. Yeah, he's he's the social butterfly. I mean, he's pretty. He talks. He's very good with talking to people. Like I said, I've gotten a lot better at it over the years. But I was so introverted when I was younger. It just makes me laugh. Yeah. Like some of my buddies will joke about that sometimes. I'm like, I know, I know, it's yeah. bad. So, <laughs> yeah, somebody somebody told me that when you were a kid, like you wouldn't hardly talk to anybody, and like you always wore your headgear, and you were just all about business. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad headgear. I mean, my mom wanted me to wear it all the time, and yeah. so I wanted my ears to be as good as possible. I didn't talk to anybody. I wore my headgear all the time. I was like a little pit bull. They called me. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, you know, it's it's been kind of cool to watch that that uh, transition from me going to this, uh, you know, more quiet and all that to, you know, now you seem like you are a lot more comfortable in those kind of situations. Um, the last thing I... The last thing I'll ask you is, uh, what what's the best thing that wrestling has taught you? Man, I just let me let me let me word it right. I would say discipline in in all areas of life. You know, I read a lot about in Proverbs talks about discipline, and I just feel like it's similar in every other area of your life. You know, like with wrestling, like. You have to watch your weight. You have to you have to watch what you eat. You have to watch like how you go to when you go to sleep so you can rec- recover. You can't drink much because you're not going to wrestle that well. Like you have to be disciplined with your studies in order to compete in college. And uh, just the amount of discipline in your life is translation translatable to everything else. I feel like you know, like that's where I feel like I've learned a lot from wrestling. It's like. I, I try to keep everything very clean in my house because everything in, in order is good. You know, it's the same thing with your practice. It's like you need to have a good structured routine so everything's in order. And it's just like same thing with, I would say, everything else. You know, like, lose the, I think Lou's similar in that sense. Like he's very, very structured, you know, and, like, I think that's what that gets to you. You become an elite-level person when you live a very disciplined life. Yeah. And that's what, I feel like, wrestling's taught me. Cool. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny when I, when I do my, when I go out of town to do my, my shows, my, my hotel room, I feel much better and, uh, and less anxious about my show if my hotel room's clean before I leave, you know, and it shouldn't matter. I'm not even there, but something about that act of it just kind of organizes everything in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that, man. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, no, I've enjoyed kind of connecting with you, talking about my wrestling career, and you've had great questions. So, uh, thanks for having me on. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Cool, man. Well, I really appreciate it, Nate. It's been uh, you know I've I've always enjoyed watching you, and and uh, now that I've I've been doing these this whole year, and uh, you know it's it's really cool to be able to talk to people that I you know admire from afar and be like that dude's a freaking stud, you know. And, you know, it was really fun to watch your career, and, and I'll be pulling for you the rest of your career, and uh, so I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thanks, Tim. That means a lot. You bet, buddy. I'll let you know when it's up. It'll probably be next week, and uh, and you can share it and all that if you don't mind. Yeah, man, definitely. Cool, that bro. sounds great. All right. Give Lou Roselli my best and tell him I'll probably hit him up one of these days about being on here. I will. He and I had some good conversations at uh, when I did those RTC things for you guys. Great dude. Yeah, he is. He's right. great. I, I will let him know. Thanks, man. All right, brother. God bless you. See you later. Thanks. You Bye-bye. too. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Nathan Tomasello, total stud. Guy is a freaking beast, man. Um, it was It was sad for me when his career was over at Ohio State because it was always so much fun to watch him wrestle. And I will be pulling for him uh, the rest of his career. I hope that he makes a world and Olympic team. Be great to see him represent USA, Team USA. And as always, go to makingithappen.com, M-A-C-A-N, ithappen.com. Help out little Bo Macon. And uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel. I would appreciate that. And I believe that's it. God bless all of you. Thanks so much for tuning in, and take care. Bye. Do us both a favor and click on that subscribe button.